Hello and welcome to the Lightkeepers podcast. I'm Clayton Vandiver, your Lightkeeper, with a show dedicated to everyone who wants to get the most out of life that they can. We don't talk about the end of life, we focus on the quality of life. My co-host on this episode, Charlene, a licensed clinical social worker who is certified in the state of Florida, she'll be helping us answer this week's question, to be or not to be. The question of DNR and what that means to you and the medical community and so much more on this edition of the Lightkeepers podcast. Before we start, I'd like to invite you to please leave your questions or comments below. We love to hear from you. Questions this week will be answered during our next show that appears online each Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern. The Lightkeepers podcast is an exclusive production of A Guiding Light Incorporated. We'll tell you more about A Guiding Light at the end of the podcast, but we don't have much time. So let's get right into this week's topic, DNR. An acronym that stands for Do Not Resuscitate. Once again with us is Charlene, a licensed clinical social worker who has a lot of great information about DNR for us. Hi, Charlene. Hi. Thank you for joining us this evening. My pleasure. And the first thing I guess we need to establish for our guests, for our listeners and viewers, is exactly what is DNR? Ah, that's a good question. So a do not resuscitate order is exactly what it sounds like. It's a medical order that has to be signed by an individual and that individual's physician stating that that person does not want to be resuscitated if their heart stops. Now what this means is that if someone's heart stops, they will not receive CPR, defibrillation, anything like that to try to get their heart restarted. Now. Not everyone can be a DNR, even if you want to be. Oh, okay. Um, not everyone can be. DNRs are usually reserved for individuals who are maybe elderly and frail, uh, okay. someone with a terminal illness. Sure. Um, not just anyone can get a do not resuscitate order just because they don't want their heart to be restarted if their heart stops. There has to be a good medical reason behind it. Well, that begs a very good question then. Uh, why would someone not want to be resuscitated if they were injured or, or uh, if, if they have a negative health event? Why is it so important to tell the medical community that you have a do not, dis, uh, do not resuscitate? So there's a, a lot of important reasons. Um, first of all, if you are someone who maybe has a terminal illness and you have that do not resuscitate order, um, you don't want to be resuscitated only to have to die again later. Um, the right, reason it's so important for your medical team to know that you have that order is because without that order, the medical team, the medical community, they are required to do everything they can to keep you alive. 
Really? Yes. Okay. And so what that means is that unless you have a piece of paper in your medical chart that your doctor is aware of. Don't assume doctors read charts, first of all. Okay, that's a good point. But (laughs) you have to have a piece of paper in your chart that your medical team is aware of. Otherwise, if your heart stops, they're going to do chest compressions. They're going to do defibrillation, which is the electric shock. And there's a very good chance that you're going to be intubated and put on a ventilator. And that's the sticking point. That's what a lot of people don't want. Well, because those procedures would actually potentially do more harm than good if you indeed were close to the end of life anyway. Potentially. They can actually hurt you. how, How much of an impact do they typically have when you have chest compressions and those sorts of procedures done? So chest compressions can be a very violent procedure. Okay. Um, the heart, no the heart is protected behind the ribs for a reason. It's a very delicate organ that okay. keeps us alive. But what sure. that means is, if it stops, you have to move those ribs to get the heart restarted to manipulate it back. Which means there's a very good chance in the CPR process that ribs are going to be broken. Wow! Ribs can be broken, sternum can be cracked, lungs can be punctured. There's a lot of injuries that can happen in the resuscitation process. Now, for some people, that risk of injury is Mm -hmm. worth it to have that opportunity to come back. Sure. But if you're in a frail condition, if you're maybe uh, very elderly, very frail, or very sickly, those injuries are just going to add on to the very reason you wanted that do not resuscitate order in the first place. That makes a very good point that there is a time when having that in place could actually preserve a little bit of quality of life a little bit longer or allow you to go when your time is without interventions that you didn't want right. and right. the the way that we often refer to it in the industry is allowing a natural death okay. and what that means is you're allowed to die naturally with only the medication necessary for comfort Got you, got you. So being resuscitated can sometimes do more harm than good. That's that's important to know. Most people don't know how violent. I had no idea that it was a really um, that traumatic a procedure. It can be. Well, once you decide that it's right for you, how do you let the medical community know that you don't want resuscitation? So there's a couple of different important things that need to take place here. First and foremost, a person needs to have that discussion with their family because guess Mm. what? Once someone is unconscious, your family or your medical decision maker, they're going to be the ones calling the shots for you anyway. Sure. So you're going to want to make sure that they're on board with your wishes. So first place to start is having that discussion with your family. Of course. The next place to start is going to be to have that discussion with your doctor because they're going to be the ones signing off on it anyway. It is a medical order. It Mm -hmm. does require physician signature. And so you're going to need to have that conversation. But Mm -hmm. the important thing is if you go into the hospital for any procedures, if you're hospitalized, anything like that, the first thing that you want to make sure is that, one, your do not resuscitate order is in your chart, Mm -hmm. and, two, your medical team knows that it's there. Ah. So... What about in an accident situation where the emergency responders or paramedics 
are not going to know you have a DNR. So that one can be a little trickier because yeah. in an accident, um, a lot can happen. You know, you right. may have a do not resuscitate card in your wallet. Oh, okay. But in an emergency, say for example, in a car accident, most of the time you're already on the stretcher in the ambulance on the way to the hospital before mm -hmm. the state trooper riding up the accident actually bothers to look in your wallet. <laughs> I see. If you have a do not resuscitate bracelet, there are medic alert bracelets that you can wear that indicate that you have a do not resuscitate order. If you're in a bad enough car accident, that bracelet might not have stayed on. So there well, they is... They might not take the time to look at it because eminently it's more important to try to save your life. That's mm -hmm. what they're out there to when do. When in the yeah. field in an emergency, their first response is always first and foremost going to be to preserve life. Okay. There is no guarantee oh, I understand. that you're yeah. not going to have resuscitation attempted right. if you are in an accident outside of your residence. Now, if you are in your residence, I always coach people to have their resuscitate order, their do not resuscitate order, prominently posted. Paramedics are trained to look like on the door of the refrigerator oh, okay. or on the bedroom door sure. um, or in some cases even taped to the foot of the bed. I see. Well, how often, this all begs the, the really important question, how often are DNRs inadvertently, perhaps, or because it's their policy to just do what they can right away, how often do they, they get violated by medical personnel who I'm sure aren't trying to do that, but I know it happens. So there are no clear statistics on that. Really? I can tell you that a wrongful resuscitation, as it's referred to, um, does happen often enough that it makes the news. Um, oh, wow. There are several news reports in the last decade of families that filed lawsuits because their loved one suffered after being resuscitated, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. wrongfully so. Um, it is listed as a medical error, and there was a very interesting study that was published in 2017 that stated in the United States medical error was the third leading cause of death. So it's entirely possible that among those medical errors, there could be some wrongful resuscitations that then later did pass. I understand. Well, it's a complicated issue. And what do you think would help the situation, ideally, for, for the people that you counsel and for our listeners and our viewers? Education. Education, yeah. communication and making sure that your medical team is aware of your wishes mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what you want. Sure. Well, and that is the, the whole point then. Communication is what makes all of our medical concerns uh, work a little bit better in the medical system. And we know a little bit more now about uh, do not resuscitate, your rights, your medical personnel, what they may need to be reminded of about your wishes. Of course, this is all a highly personal choice, and no conversation we have on the Lightkeepers podcast should ever take the place of your own medical care team or other personal advisor who should always be con consulted by you on your specific situational needs. And it's always good to talk about quality of life and events because every single one of us faces some of these situations in our lives, 
Well, we hope you found some information that was helpful to you on this edition of the Lightkeepers podcast. Please leave your questions or comments below. We love to hear from you. The Lightkeepers podcast is an exclusive production of Vanimation Studios and is brought to you by A Guiding Light, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to education and information that allows informed preparation for living the very best life possible. The mission of A Guiding Light is to provide education about life planning, guidance, and counseling that eases an individual's transition and guides them and their family regardless of their ability to pay through options that improve the quality of their remaining days. The organization is committed to training professionals who will help you find the best information and options to meet your planning needs that are available in your area so you can be aware of your choices, confident in your decisions, and at peace that you have made the best decisions to live life your way. For more information on A Guiding Light, please visit the website at aguidinglight.org or to make a tax-deductible contribution and help those less fortunate find the information and resources they need, please visit the donation page on the website where you will find tax information and the address to send a check, or it's also on the screen right below me. We're so grateful for your support and sincerely hope that you will join us in coming weeks. We still have topics like organ donors and hospitals, funeral homes and your plans, the gap between medical jargon and medical care, and legal jargon. Metabolized grief, ingesting grief, normalizing loss, hospice. It's not just for the last few days or hours medical plans and paperwork, and of course, your questions and comments. We love to hear from you. Speaking of that, hit the like and subscribe buttons and turn on that notify bell so you catch every episode. I'm Clayton Vandiver, the Lightkeeper. We'll see you next time.